Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, Puviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a fantastic show for today with a wonderful guest, a wonderful recurring guest, host of Inner Monologue and B-Rated, my old friend and chromatic comrade, Thomas Brown, returns to the show. Thomas is involved in a lot of different creative projects, but if I was to summarize him with one job title, that would be philosopher. He's spiritual, he's a deep thinker, and what I love about him is that our orbits and our circle is not the same, but when we connect, it almost has the power of an eclipse. We may not talk all the time, but every time we do chat, it's never casual conversation. It's profound. Spirituality is a constant theme. We often discuss possibilities. And I think one of the most important topics that Thomas and I talk about is of what if or why not. Thomas and I are always exploring the endless possibilities that exist when one opens their mind. In addition to being a philosopher, Thomas is someone who I admire because of his involvement with Rise Phoenix. The purpose of Rise is to inspire and encourage the evolutionary journey of self-discovery to uncover one's purpose. Part of Rise Phoenix's inner monologue podcast where mental health begins with mindfulness. The podcast discusses art, creativity, and the process of being human. Thomas is an advocate for mental health and mental health awareness. And through that desire to be an advocate for mental health has taken him on some amazing journeys. Twice he has traversed the United States, one time on foot and a second time on bike. In 2012, Thomas set off on a cross-country trek to learn more about the dichotomies of life and the phenomenon of suicide. Traveling by bicycle, he rode from the Golden Gate Bridge, California, to Wappingers Falls, New York. On his journey, he stopped in towns and cities across the nation to learn and talk with those who had lost family and friends to suicide. And his hope was a dialogue would bring growth and peace to the survivors left behind. Thomas's most important trait is that he's a nonconformist, and you'll hear that characteristic in our conversation. I had to say that nonconformity Produces some colorful language, maybe the most colorful we've had on the show. So be a little, be a little warned. He's laughing right now as he's hearing that description. On today's episode, Thomas chats about the last year and how he handled the difficulties, especially when it comes to interacting with guests on his show, Inner Monologue. Thomas is also the first guest to talk about my three. I hit him up with several topics and he answers with his three most important and personal answers. It's always such a delight when we do catch up with each other. I love hearing the stories of what he's he's been reading, watching, and thinking about. And I consider him a friend, but more importantly, I consider him a close ally, someone who pushes me to, to think at a higher level. Thrilled to have him back, so let's go ahead and welcome Thomas Brown to the show, and let's learn. Hey! <laughs> what the f***? <laughs> Wait, was this in Egypt or was this in Dubai? <laughs> Ah, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I <had to> see. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it tame. There's so many <laughs> other things I could say and go off on, but I'm trying to keep it tame. This is your show. <laughs> <clears throat> well, welcome. Welcome back. Thank you for having me on your show as well. Inner Monologue Mondays, always love listening. And you also have B-Rated Podcast, which after a hiatus during the pandemic is back in action. How was it producing a podcast during quarantine during a pandemic because there's so many different layers you've got guests that you want to have on here different perspectives but you don't want to alienate or be divisive and it's also just emotionally draining to have a show during during such a hard time so what was it like for you over the last year well i think more than anything i am alienating and divisive 
um, I think the biggest. I'm trying to like look at the timeline because did my alienation tendencies, my alienating tendencies and my divisiveness, was that always there subtly bubbling under the surface? And that kind of pushed people away or was it just the very tone of the world and the collective trauma that has made it difficult to to uh to to gather new get new guests because the guests for your show you have a lot of people that have amazing missions have amazing passions have amazing talents so i don't know what the fuck i'm doing here um <laughs> For my show, it's a little bit different. Like I, I like people that have like a, a skill set. Maybe people that are that are, are trying to, you know, sell a a a uh, sell that skill set. Um, but mainly, it's also people that have like gone through a trauma or who or who know how to guide people through trauma. And I think because everybody is exhausted. And it's been hard to get new people on. So I've been the last year. I've been bringing back recurring guests, people that already know me. Um, so I don't know what it is. Is it that we collected? We we were were collectively experiencing this this worldwide collective trauma, or has my divisiveness and 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 tendencies to alienate people just started to become? Um, too intense. I don't know the answer for you. I I can maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe to say that it's a little bit of both is uh is is nice. Um I don't know. I don't I don't want to come off and say like I'm just a a a, a giant asshole. But as if we talked like in our my last my last appearance here, I was very there's there's a lot of anger and frustration on the whole world and how people were reacting to this trauma, which is still ironic because I come from my skill set is to understand trauma. I think the thing that like got my frustration and my anger going is that like, yo, can't we all see that we're fucking traumatized? Like, let's try to be cool. And I wasn't seeing that. So I was acting out in a very uh, rageful way. Yeah. So I think like for me, what I was going through, what I was going through personally was that every Monday was, was you were listening to a man that was exercising his own demons Mm -hmm. and the demons were things that, you know, I was looking out at the world and I was seeing things that I felt unable to control for whatever level. And I was just mad about it. So I was expelling those demons and that probably turned some people off. Maybe, I don't know. It's, it hasn't been difficult to do, to do the gig. I love this shit. I love, I love getting on the mic. I love chatting with people. I love hearing, hearing people's thoughts. I love bantering with people. I love raging in conversation with people. And when I say raging, I don't mean like getting in arguments. I mean, like we're both kind of like 
yeah, having fun and chewing it, chewing the fat and like just getting, trying to get to the heart of, of something. And there's a lot of like, you know, both of us, me and the guests are just like letting out our demons. Um, and I think that it would be something that I would continue to do. I think the biggest part is just there is an exhaustion in having a 40 hour a week job uh, and other hobbies and other passions and then trying to also, you know, produce a podcast and get new guests. So I've convinced myself that if for some reason I ran out of guests, I would just continue to chew the fat yeah. on the microphone. I'm guessing that much like a rising tide lifts all boats, I'm guessing that everything was exacerbated, right? Everybody was at a fever pitch just being frustrated as well. So once you actually start talking about it, I know that people are fed up and just tired and lots of other emotions. So I'm sure it was a little bit of everything. Moving forward. What's next for Inner Monologue as you, as you look out throughout the year? What's next for Inner Monologue? And also, what's next for B-Rated? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I just, I'm always, I'm curious on where the show can go. I, with, with Sharon kind of taking a step back and not doing her, her bit in the opening monologue, it has given me some space to, um, to process. Sometimes, believe it or not, I can be a little bit too much for my partner. <laughs> I could be a Never lot. Guessed. Never would have guessed. Uh, yeah, I could be a lot for, for just about anybody. And there's times where like, I just, I just let it out. It's all coming out. And it's not directed. It's, I don't know, it's indiscriminate. It's into the microphone. And she just like, wow, that was, I didn't realize you had that in there. That was <laughs> it's kind of intense. I think I need to go have a, a break. I think allowing like listening to her, that from her and then knowing that like, okay, I have my time on the microphone. It's kind of like what we talked about in our last conversation on my show is that I'm allowing myself time in these monologues. It's easy to banter back and forth with another human beings and like, boom, 20 minutes goes by. Now I'm not aiming for a 20 minute monologue. I'm trying, just trying to get a point out, but I'm allowing myself, I'm learning to allow space in time to allow my, my, to allow processing for what I'm saying, what I'm thinking and what point I'm, I'm trying to direct the ship towards, because I do want to make a point. Like it's, it's sometimes hard. And even you should know, you know, this as a writer. And I think this is, this goes the same for like a conversationalist or, or even a, a monologue or speech or whatever is that, Taking a feeling, uh, a feeling that has that has bubbled up from from observation or experience, it's not always the easiest thing to articulate. So it becomes a process, and I'm wondering that, like, do I either create a second show? If I had time, would I create a, sh a second show? Maybe we'll move uh, inner monologue to like Tuesday or Thursday. And I was, I've had this idea that has been floating around in my brain for a couple of years of, uh, doing a Monday morning money, Monday morning monkey mind where it's just, it's just me, uh, you know, with the microphone and, and talking, processing the world and, and the phenomenon of being and, and what the fuck is going on and what is my place in 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 all of this you know seemingly 
chaotic, you know, situations and happenings. <laughs> so I don't know if, if that's something, if that's something that, that is possible. I, you know, I also, I'm a very visual person and, um, I, I miss film. I miss, I miss, I miss photography. I miss videography. I miss editing, editing, uh, of videos or, or, or film projects, little short stories, um, was something that was very like Zen, despite the fact that like, I would have like a glass of water, uh, a, a cup of whiskey and coffee. The whiskey was to, you know, relax the shoulders. The coffee was to, uh, stay awake and the water was just to make sure that like I'm balancing the hydration, <laughs> but there, the, like I all, you know, I always used to say that you could, you can, you could prepare all you want to, you could take, you write an idea, write a script, um, do all the prep you think that you possibly is necessary for a shoot, even make adjustments while you're out on the shoot, but it's not till you get all of the footage that the actual story begins to speak to you and say, no, this is what you need in order to birth me and get me into the world. So I've been missing that. And I've been, I've been wondering, like, is there a way to, like, do you know who Jason Silva is? Maybe. He used to do those videos, shots of awe, where he just kind of like goes off and has this like really beautiful, gets into this very beautiful flow state and just, you know, on a subject matter, some type of philosophical, some type of like life experience, uh, some type of emotional content. And he'll just, you know, it's just one take of him like going off about something in this like very beautiful flow state. And then somebody edits some other stuff on it. So I was wondering like if, if that's something that I would like to do with, with mental health, mindfulness, awareness, self-awareness is just maybe incorporate. I used to collect, I used to go out and collect. I would sometimes just go out and, and, and drive videotape people and, uh, or I'd go out to a, uh, an empty place and videotape nature. Or sometimes when I was at work, I would just go out and I would put the camera and I would point it to on a cloudy day, point it towards the clouds and, and just, just let it roll for an hour. And then I would take that footage and I would speed it up and I would just use it for whatever. So there's a lot of things that I have that I've been missing. There's a lot of things that I've been wanting to like revisit that are completely parts of uh, my past. It's just I've dedicated so much time, like inner monologue pretty much came out of a necessity to do something different mm -hmm. in connection with another human being outside of the book. Because like, man, I'm on like, like such a different trip. And this book is like taking me like, Randall, I don't care if another human being ever reads my book. Yeah. I just need to tell the story. Yeah. I need to get it out of my system before I could like properly move on to the next thing that's calling to me. Yeah. And like, I was starting to get depressed after the new year and I was like, Oh, it's just, it's just, uh, it's, it's pandemic blues. I'm getting pandemic fatigue. No, it wasn't. I was built for this shit, bro. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what it was is I realized I hadn't, I hadn't written an entire, not even a letter in all of Jan in all of 2021. And I think I sent out, a text message to you 
And this was like way after your trip to Egypt. And I was like, yo, like, what are we doing? We need to have you on the show. We need to talk about Egypt. And you're like, how's your book? You didn't even say, okay. You're just like, how's your book going? (laughs) I was like, oh, fuck. We'll do the conversation when you reach a certain word mark. Yeah. 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 You said once you write five, I was like, it has actually, I haven't written anything this year. And you're like, once you write five days in a row, then, then let me know. And like, I had something, I think I had like a podcast planned like that night. Yeah, it, says, next- um, it says, I won't come on the show until you write for five days in a row. You went, ha ha, okay. And I go, and once you do it, text me and I'll appear on the show the very next day. <laughs> I think six days later, I get, you got a text and it was like, I just did it. And I actually, I, I went through two chapters because I, after that, that night I was still writing. I went through two chapters like immediately and I took like a, I've taken like a week and a half off and I've, today I started prepping for that chapter eight. And when I go out, I have like this whole process, like, okay, let me get the last draft. I'm going to print it out. I'm going to go through it and, and start taking some notes on it. And then like, I'll get into it and, and I'll start writing. And I realized I was, I was, I was depressed because I hadn't been writing and I didn't realize like how much writing has just become like a necessity for me to breathe. It's, it's, uh, it allows me even more space and time to pause, to process. Because here's another thing, trying to like articulate an idea through words on a microphone, it's difficult. Like when you have the time to do it on, 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 uh, on paper, it you you're like you're a little bit more comfortable with space and time, um, and and I think like even allowing in the last couple of weeks without Sharon, that allowing myself to process like I keep coming back to the same themes in my monologue, like it usually takes me probably like ten episodes before I finally get to my to my point, and I've written so many different drafts before I've become com like. Before I become, and I'm not trying to George Lucas something, but like I have something that I want to say. There's a lot of emotional content that, that's behind what I want to say. And until I have found the words that can come as close as possible to articulating that emotion, I can't let somebody else read it. Like I just can't, I can't do it. And the, the, the beauty of it is, is that like, I'm not relying on inner monologue or rise or any project connected to these in order to, in order to live. I'm grateful that I, I have that privilege to be able to have a 40 hour a week job that I can tolerate and that doesn't burn me out, that I can come home and I can work on these other projects. Now, would I be able to get a lot more of these projects finished without that 40-hour-a-week job? Yes, but I, I don't know if I'd be making money. And to me, that's not the point. And that's not to belittle anybody else. Like The, the, the point for me is just to, there's a, need, there's, there's a need to speak on something. There's a need to express, you know, an observation or, or life experience. And if it can help somebody, that's great. That's better than making money, but I'm doing it because it's supposed to help me. 
Yeah. I'm doing it for myself. So helping me is first. If it helps somebody else, that's great. And making some coin off of it is is third down the line. It's still down the line, <laughs> but but like that's not that's not why. I have to do it for me. Like I I, I just I have to. There, I have a story. I want to tell it, and and I will, and it's got to be told. Otherwise, I'll I'll go insane. I'll get depressed, and I'll lose my mind. Well, creators create, and I think I love hearing that you've got a different idea, a different show you want to explore as well, because that's something that is spiritual in many ways for you as well. I wanted to have you back. I didn't want to tell you what we would chat about today. And we're going through a topic that some of the guests have done called My Three. And I, My Three. I, I don't want you to think, overthink. I want you to think of the first three things that come to mind. You ready? Okay. Uh, <laughs> is this the family show? <laughs> I might have to do some self-editing. <laughs> The three music albums that mean the most to you. Tool, Lateralis. (laughs) This is fucking funny. This is is incredible. Okay, I'm just going to say this right now. Uh, This is a preface. This changes. This would change all the time based on life experience. But I, I would say like right now, Tool Lateralis, Tool 10,000 Days, and Tool Fear Inoculum, the last three Tool albums that came out. And here's why. Um, Tool Lateralis came out in April of 2001. My brother, you know, like he finally, it's a long convoluted story, but he was going through stuff and it finally was out that he was going through stuff. And then in August he was dead. But from April to August, I went out and ran every single day. Like I'd have to be at work at three o'clock. I would start jogging at one o'clock noon or one. And as it got, you know, he died in the end of August, August 20th, June and July in Arizona, in Phoenix, Running at 12 or 1 o'clock in the afternoon outside is not like the time that people usually choose to run. No. (laughs) So I would listen to Lateralis and that was just, you know, my brother was supposed to know everything. Hold on, I got to interrupt on this then because I'm I'm curious about the device that you were using because... It was a Walkman. It was a Walkman. So was it a Walkman or was it a Discman? CD Discman. It was a Discman. It was a Discman. Because that doesn't go hand in hand with running. Because that all the skipping, and I would be concerned. Well, I had a I had a skip proof. I had one of those. I you know I I put out some shekels for the skip proof. You had the big money back then in in '01. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, like I mean, it just look looks ridiculous because like I never wore a shirt. I was like, fuck that, dude. Like this is like I would slather up in in sunscreen and. I had like little jogging shorts, shoes, and then this disman that was just like attached <laughs> around my waist and I would just go running. And I listened to that album over and over and over and over again. Like sometimes, depending on how long I was running, I would get through it one and a half times. Mm-hmm. And I would just, I would go forever. I was getting up to where I was running like six to eight miles. And sometimes like, being working in parks and rec and, and having a buzzed head. Um, it was kind of okay. Like nobody said anything about me coming into work, like disgusting and gross because the first thing I would do is 
pick up a basketball and play with the, and play basketball with a teen. So like within the first 15 minutes, even if I was showered, I'd be disgusting. So, um, it didn't matter. And I would just, I was, that album was just everything to me. Um, 10,000 days. Let's forward, flat, uh, go forward to 2006 with my first, uh, great adventure where I, I was part of a, a two person film crew, um, following progressive Christians walking across the country. And in this, even though I had, I was driving one of the support vehicles, there was a lot of walking backwards that I did. And there was a lot of parking five miles ahead of the walkers, walking towards them, walking with them, you know, asking them questions, just getting their, their react, you know, whatever they're doing, walking five miles past the, my vehicle and then running back with all my camera gear getting in and then and leapfrogging them and doing it all over again. And sometimes just like, screw it. I'm just going to walk with them for 15 miles and I'm just going to videotape. So, <clears throat> and I just remember like that was just such an amazing experience to be able to have that album as like on constantly and like seeing the world change around me from, you know, I'm just a desert boy. I'm a desert rat. And I, once we got to Oklahoma, especially once we got to Tulsa, you know, and growing up and like reading about the, the dust bowl of Oklahoma, Tulsa is completely different part of Oklahoma. And it was just so green and, and, um, a lot of humidity and it just got greener and greener and the humidity built and built the further East you went. <clears throat> and I just remember like that album, there was so much emotion. It was kind of like they're considered their blues album. And then Fear Inoculum came out, what, 2019, September 2019. Mm -hmm. And it just been like from 2006 to 2019, there was just such a lull. And like going to a Tool concert, that's like me going to church. It's just like very ceremonial. Their visuals are amazing. Um, the music is, is transcendent. And I'm totally one of those obnoxious uh, stereotypical, obnoxious, conceited, elitist uh, tool fans. Yeah, I'm very aware of it, so that has helped tempered uh, my behavior when talking to people that have never listened to Tool or maybe don't like Tool. Like I know what I am; they don't need to know what I am. <laughs> I'll well, keep it to myself. <laughs> we all have different things that we all have different things that we are elitist at, and I will say I've had to I've had opiate on repeat lately at the gym i think that's my favorite tool track how about can i just say this like about fear inoculum i think like not only was there like such a lull listening to it but you know that album came out in september 2019 i saw them perform in october 2019 and then again in in january 2020 and like the title of the album fear inoculum and when you read like the lyrics of the 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 title track song fear inoculum it kind of like that album became the theme album and that song became the theme song of what we all went to through collectively during the pandemic, especially like in, you know, fear being like uh, its own virus that corrupts people. Yeah. How about the three books that have played the most significant role in your evolution? Uh, Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. Mm -hmm. Um, 
hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm getting to it. It's it's uh it's Daniel Pinchbeck's um return of Quetzalcoatl. I think that's how you say it. And the third one, oh man, I'd have to like go through my my Goodreads. I'd probably say like uh, Food of the Gods or or um or the Archaic Revival, both by Terrence McKenna. How about the three days in your life that it left such an indelible mark that if you could relive over again, you would do? The day my brother died. And I know that's probably like a weird thing for people to hear, but in terms of how profound and how much it changed my life, mm-hmm. like that's definitely... Yeah. The first day I walked in to sit down with my emotional coach, Kim, and the day that we finished the bike tour and I met Sharon. You met Sharon the day you finished the bike tour? Yeah, she was our main contact. Oh, wow. I had been been professionally corresponding with her once a month for the seven months we were on the bike ride. And it was just like, hey, we're still coming. We haven't quit. You're, you're still expecting us, right? And it was just like, oh, congratulations. Where are you at? Blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, you know, a couple sentences each email. And then wow. I, I met her for reals. Fantastic. Wow. The three moments in your life in which you laughed the hardest. Maybe it was a movie. For instance, I'll always remember the, watching Old School in the theater and crying tears of, of laughter i'd never done that before so I, I laughed the hardest on that day i remember well I, I mean like reed would probably bring this up reed, the the blakey brothers would bring this up i don't know if this is like the day that i laughed the hardest but when uh we went to go see tropic thunder together and when the director of the film steps on a landmine and blows up yeah like i think like the only reason why i remember that is because they both brought like how loud and obnoxious my laugh was that like it was like uncomfortable that like like somebody was laughing at something that disturbing um (laughs) another one was um it had to do with my brother's suicide and it was one of those situations where as somebody who's gone through a trauma of loss like that you you start to uh you start to um anticipate people's reactions to things yeah and uh working at the library we have um ancestry.com mm-hmm. and one of the new things that you could do on ancestry.com is you can look at yearbook pictures and you can look at yearbook pictures of almost anybody i think it goes as far back as like 1980 or 85 and, and so this coworker, she was like my right she was like my right hand man woman person whatever and uh she was she was doing it and i was like what what's that and she told me the whole spiel i was like oh that's crazy she's i was all like uh, and i wanted to see my brother i wanted to see if i could if we could see his picture and so i was like go to coronado high school 1989 look up mark brown <laughs> and she's like she's like you should take a picture and send it to him and she didn't know she didn't know that my brother's been dead. And, mm-hmm. and like, in, in my brain, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm going to have to tell her 
that like, oh, my brother's dead. And then she's going to get all like weird or emotional about it. So as I was thinking about that happening, I just started laughing because like, I'm so used to it. I'm so used to having to like, um, you know, and I don't mind doing it, but you kind of like have to like take them people by the hand and be like, no, it's okay. Yeah. You don't have to apologize. You know, you have to make them feel okay about it. Yeah. And like, I've done it so many times and we had such like a good rapport that I just started laughing about the subject and she's yeah. like, what's happening? What's going on? So not only am I laughing about it, but I start laughing at the fact that I'm laughing about it. So it's like yeah. one of those laughs that like just keeps building on itself. So I couldn't stop laughing, but I needed to give her an explanation, which was yeah. even stupider. So I told her while like I'm crying, I'm laughing so hard. I'm bright red. I'm crying. And as I'm laughing, I tell her, I can't send it to my brother because he dead. he's dead. He died of suicide almost 20 years ago. And she's like, what the fuck is happening right now? And so she got all emotional and I started laughing even harder because of it. And so it was just, I have a dark sense of humor and, and, and like, I was like, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the situation. I go through this all the time. Anytime I, I, I bring up my brother, it turns into this. There's, I mean, it's because of that there's times that I've said I'm an only child because I don't want to have to deal with it. Yeah. And then, I, I don't know, the third time, I don't know, I was probably on drugs and something fucked up happened. <laughs> how about... So, so something funny happened. How about the three fictional characters that have played the most significant role in your life. Wow. There's so much there just because of the fact that the fictional characters themselves have evolved. So I'd say uh, original trilogy, Luke Skywalker, comic book Wolverine, but Chris Evans, Captain America. Okay. And then I would say that like, there's probably two that are like, um, what do you call it when they're not in the top 10, but they're honorable mention, honorable mention, uh, Jack Burton from big trouble in little China is probably one of the greatest, uh, anti-hero slash Homer Simpson heroes ever. And then, uh, the dude, okay. Cause the dude abides. You've probably heard this question in several different forms, but past, present, future, alive, past, fictional, real, three people you would love to have all at the same time at a dinner. When you answer it, think about group dynamics as well, because I think that could uh, impact your decision. Wow. I think even bringing in like a fictional character, like that's going to blow people's minds. I think I would pull Grand, uh, Gandalf the Grey, not Gandalf the White, because Gandalf the Grey was down to party. All right? He was, he was he, like, say what you will, like that, that pipe weed... That was cannabis, all right? All, all you little kids that watched The Lord of the Rings. I mean, Sauron totally calls it out. Your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly dulled your mind, all right? You've been getting too, you've been getting too wild with that, Gandalf. Gandalf the Grey. Holy shit. Probably Terrence McKenna, writer, philosopher, who's dead now. And then for the third person, oh, man, there's so many people to choose. That's what's difficult. I don't know. I don't know who that third person would be. 
I'll have to get back to you on that. It might hit me in the, in the rest of the, in this conversation because I would only want one fictional character in this. Yeah. But I feel like Terrence McKenna right there, like him and his love of like psychedelics and his whole, you know, all of his theories about the end of time, Gandalf being a wizard who's being reincarnated, like that right there would start off like a really weird conversation. Three historical events that you wish you could see and experience and be at firsthand. Like time travel? I get to like go and just watch it or do I have to actually live in that time period? We're going to go time travel, observer only. You don't affect anything. You're just there flying the wall. If Jesus was real, I'd actually want to see the crucifixion. Not because like I just, I just to like, holy shit, because that moment, I feel like that moment in the whole concept of redemption for all of humanity has such a profound impact on the belief system of our current circumstance, like 2000 years later, like that is probably like one of the most profound events in the Latin in like contemporary earth history. If I could just observe, I like to see what that, the supposed meteorite that dist- that killed all the dinosaurs. I was actually thinking <laughs> about that. Oddly enough, I was thinking you were going to say something like that. <laughs> I just like would want to see it happen. Um, <clears throat> and then I would like to be there an hour before the Big Bang. I want to know what what was what was that before? What was the nothingness? All right, man. Cool, man. <laughs> Well, well, thank you. Thank you for uh, linking up today. Yeah, totally. Totally. Get to bed. We'll talk soon. All right. Yeah, we will. All right. All right. Peace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Thomas. For more information, check out risephoenix.org and give him a follow. Inner Monologue Podcast on Instagram. New episodes of the show are available Monday mornings. Oh, And be on the lookout for me on an upcoming episode of Inner Monologue. We did a home-and-home podcast session, so I'll be on his show in the coming weeks. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. <laughs>